Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of the LMU Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Cass, and you're listening here on the Believe Podcast Network, LA's number one sports podcast network and the only place with a show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Welcome into the show, everybody. Jesse Cass here with you for another brand new episode of the LME Basketball Podcast. Really happy to have you here for another week of the show. Uh, if you do enjoy the show, please know you can rate and review and subscribe on Apple. Five-star ratings and reviews are always appreciated. And no matter where you listen to podcasts, we're available on all your favorite directories. Uh, Apple, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. You can also find the show at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. You can follow along my social media on Twitter, at Jesse underscore Cass. We've got a really good show here this week. Uh, special guest, my uh, my friend and former LMU Lion, John Ziri, on the show. He played uh, for the Lions for four years, including a wretched year, so five years on campus with the Lions from the 03-04 to the 07-08 team. So really good guy. It's going to be a, a really good conversation for you in just a moment. Uh, before we get there, I want to give you a few updates about LMU basketball. And while we are in the thick of the offseason with not a ton going on, a few things to update you on for the LMU basketball team next year. While the full non-conference and conference schedule is not known yet, it was announced that the Lions will be back on another tropical trip this upcoming season. They'll be heading to the Bahamas in Bimini in the Bahamas to take place in the Junkanoo Jam along with Air Force, Duquesne, and Indiana State. So Lions who won the Jamaica Classic last year will be back off to another tropical location this upcoming season. So that should be a lot of fun for the Lions and their fans. And also, just announced today, the Lions will be honoring the late, great Hank Gathers. Of course, Hank's house, the nickname for Gerson Pavilion. He will have a statue outside of Gerson Pavilion that will be built and shown just right in the middle center concourse when you walk into the building. It should be really cool, and that's a great gesture for the great Hank Gathers. One of the best Lions in all of LMU history, and of course, such a big part of that history, so that's really cool to see. And with that, we're going to get you set on the podcast here with our conversation with former LMU Lion, John Ziri. So here it is, John Ziri on the LMU Basketball Podcast. Now joined here on the LMU Basketball Podcast with my guest, former LMU Lion, John Ziri. John, uh, really glad to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks for having me, Jesse. Uh and- and John, we know each other through your, your time in LMU. You initially came over from uh, from Arizona. Uh, what, what initially attracted you to LMU uh, and coming over to be a Lion? Okay. Uh, well, the initial attraction was obviously the beautiful campus and, and the coaching staff with, with Coach Yagers, uh, Coach Jensen, and Coach Preby. Uh, coach Jensen was an Arizona guy, and Coach Preby uh, was the, the guards coach at the time, and they had a really nice vision for the 
the future of the program. And uh, they had a nice recruiting class the year before, so it seemed like we were going to be competitive going forward for the next couple of years. And how much did you know about LMU before you came over, uh, growing up in Arizona? Uh, did you know about the program at all, or was it was it new when you got approached by uh, Steve Aggers and that coaching staff? Uh, yeah, I'm very familiar with the program. Obviously, the Hank and, and Bo Kimball story was, was universal, and being a basketball junkie, I was very familiar with that history. And then uh, out of my high school in Tempe, Arizona, Marco Siniza, uh, there was two former players that I knew of, uh, Robert Davis and Jay Miller, who both went to LMU. So I had heard the name before and was familiar with the story in the university. And then I played in a summer tournament uh, the summer before I committed on campus. So I got to see the campus in first person. Yeah, and that's obviously a, a good draw to get to see that campus. Uh, I know your first season at LMU, you redshirted. Uh, what was that like initially starting out and having to, to be a part of the team but wait to get your shot to, to play on the floor? Uh, well, I was 17 when I, when I started, so that was kind of uh, it was kind of a transition, you know, always wanting to play and be on the court, but also just knowing that, you know, the year before they had a damn good recruiting class with, with Brandon Worthy uh, and Wes Wardrop, who were very skilled guards and very competitive and there wasn't going to be a lot of minutes available. So I thought it was a very good plan for my long-term growth, and it helped out a great deal. Yeah, and you mentioned Brandon Worthy who and, and Wes Wardrop, of course, uh, really good teammates. We know Brandon Worthy, uh, one of the more recognizable names from that era. What was it like being his teammate and working with him every day? Uh, it was it was great. I mean, he was definitely uh, one of those all-conference guards, um, could do a little bit of everything. Um, was a leader on and off the floor. I mean, I've never played for a guy who was that intense all the time. Um, he just had this unrelenting drive to be good, and it showed up on the court. And he definitely pushed his teammates um, as, as much as he could as a leader um, of the locker room. So uh, it, was, it was definitely beneficial to see what a first-team All-WCC player looks like every day in practice. Yeah, absolutely. and. Uh, you know, we had a, about a month or two ago uh, Jeff Lampy, who was the play-by-play announcer before me, uh, on the show, and he, he obviously was very familiar with with your teams. Um, he, he, you know, we talked about in great length about some of those years. Uh, the one thing that kind of sticks out, I'm sure, still sore subject for for you guys, but the, uh, of course, the WCC championship game in 2006. Uh, what do you remember from that game, basically on the road at Gonzaga? and going down to the very last second and obviously the disappointing finish. Yeah, uh, that's definitely a game that sticks out in your memory. Um, I remember we came out very aggressive and very hot. Um, we had played, obviously, Gonzaga twice before. Um, first time in Spokane, we, we got beat pretty bad, and then they came down to LMU. Um, and uh, Adam, Worthy, or Adam Morrison had a phenomenal showing. I think he had 40-plus points. Um, but we came out aggressive knowing that they were the number three team in the country, and we had to come out and beat them. I think we started the game off with a nice little lead, and as any team that's worth a darn, in March, they came back and made a run, and we had a good chance to, to win the game. Uh, we just couldn't convert at the end, and obviously that was a disappointing finish. Yeah, no question. And you mentioned Adam Morrison and, of course, the, the big 40-plus point game he had uh, in Gersten earlier that season. Uh, even with the loss, you guys really limited him in that game. He he still had 23 points, but he, he shot 6 of 18 from the field. I know that's a team defensive effort, but you obviously are a big factor with, with your defensive skill. What did it take to 
make that adjustment and make it so tough for him in that next matchup when you when you took it down to the wire in that championship game? Uh, well, we just had to have different guys go at him. I mean, with, with that kind of offensive talent, um, there's, there's not really going to be one guy who just completely shuts him down. So there was a lot of just spurts of, you know, West Ward's up on him for a few minutes, uh, myself, uh, Brandon Worthy, uh, John Haywood. Uh, Damian Miller was, was injured, or Damian Martin was injured that year, and he was one of the, the best defenders I've ever played against. So just having different guys go on him and wear his energy out and make him shoot difficult shots, which he was used to making. But um, our game plan worked, and we put ourselves in a position to win. Unfortunately, we just couldn't convert. Yeah, and what what was the? I mean, I'm sure it was devastated. But the, the locker room afterward, how did you guys respond from that and kind of go forward after that coming so close? It, it was definitely deflating. I mean, you want to put yourself in position to win, and especially against that kind of team, we did. Um, it was just first off, you know, we, we definitely felt like we could have beat them, and we showed that we could have. Uh, it was just kind of a heartbreaking kind of shock value moment for a little bit just like oh we were so close and we just let it go yeah and was, was it a little bit surreal I know watching them in the the NCAA tournament that season that's of course now an iconic moment in itself of that same Gonzaga team really having UCLA on the ropes and then letting that go were you able to to watch that or, or what was your perspective on having just a few weeks prior been right there with them to see them kind of lose in an equally excruciating fashion to UCLA in that NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely difficult knowing that, you know, most guys who play Division One basketball have that dream of playing in the postseason. Um, so to be honest, it was definitely difficult to watch thinking that, hey, we could have been in there. We could have been one of the teams that was <laughs> in one shiny moment at the end and put ourselves in a position to be in the tournament for the first time in a long time. I still think you know, we've had some postseason play at LMU over the past, but we still made back to the NCAA tournament since Hank and Bo's time. So, you know, that was tough to watch, thinking about how close we were and how we should have been there, but we weren't. Uh, but, you know, they had a bunch of pros on their team uh, with JP, Batista, and Adam Morris, and I think Turioff was on the team. Uh, so, yeah, it, we felt like we should have been there, but, you know, it was hard to watch knowing that we were that close. And, John, you guys obviously. Uh, follow through the next year. You were able to get that win against Gonzaga, which we know is is rare, uh, but you beat them at home the following year. Was that something that going into that game the year prior played into your mind, or was that just a completely new set of circumstances? Um, I, I think we always felt like that was a team we were capable of beating. Uh, the following year, I know we had a, a bunch of injuries with Brandon Worthy and, and Matty Knight, uh, but I think that game before and the, the year before I definitely played an edge because we kept that moment and feeling of pain in the top of our minds, the guys who were on that team the year before. And, you know, we were at home. We had a good run. We had good energy. And we were able to, you know, do what we should have did the year before and beat the, the mighty Zags. <laughs> yeah, and you, of course, mentioned you had five years at LMU with that redshirt season. You were initially recruited to play with, with Steve Aggers and that coaching staff, as you said. Uh, what was it like when the coaching change happened, Rodney Tension comes in, did you have any thoughts of going anywhere else, or, or what's that like for a player who commits to one coaching staff and then has to adjust kind of on the fly to another one? Yeah, I mean, there was definitely a period of transition. Uh, we, we definitely played a different style under Coach Eggers than we did Coach Tension. Um, so he came in and he was hired. You know, we had the uh, 
a meeting at Sacred Heart Chapel once he was announced and, and in, in the locker rooms, he definitely told us what his plans were. Uh, but the entire summer and the, the first few months of the actual uh, season once, Midnight uh, Madness was official we started practicing day in and day out. It was definitely a transition to the new style. He was very fast. We had a different motion offense. So knowing what he needed us to do was definitely a transition and getting to know him as a person as well. I mean, you build rapport with a previous staff for months and months before you actually commit. And then, you know, you see him every day in practice, you know, on the road. And then they're gone. It was definitely a transition to, to new styles, new management and leadership styles, and, and new personalities. Yeah. And what was it like being on the road as a college basketball player? Of course, you have the, the student part of it. Uh, but traveling, are there any trips that stand out in your mind or opponents that you looked forward to playing on the road uh, in your time at LMU? Uh, it's kind of it's hard to say. I mean, most of the road is it's not actually seeing the city as much as people might think. It's yeah. a pretty regimented business trip schedule. You know, you see the hotel, the gym, um, and the airport and we do have to keep structure because you know we are still student athletes so study hall was mandatory there was curfew um but the road trips were fun you got to be with your friends and your teammates in a different city and uh, we definitely made the most of it with our personalities and our and just being in a different place off side of campus but it was definitely a lot of fun yeah and for you personally are there any specific games or, or moments that stand out for you when you look back at your time at lmu as far as individual performances or, or team wins that that really still kind of resonate with you uh, yeah I mean we, we went down to the University of Virginia my redshirt freshman year and we had the, the ACC Virginia Cavaliers uh, in a position kind of similar to uh, the Gonzaga game where we were very we showed that we should have been on the court and had a chance to win that definitely stood out and playing in a historic uh, ACC venue like University UVA was a big outdoor for me just being a basketball fan uh going up to seattle and playing uw uh 2006 they had preloaded squad and i think they made the sweet 16 that year uh that was definitely a big time program we got to play uh at the bank of america uh, stadium and i think they had brandon roy and uh, nate robinson so those kind of talents were definitely nice to, to go up against you know, say, hey, we played against a few pros and, and held our own for a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say that that has to be a, a gratifying feeling, especially, you know, you're on the D1 level, of course, uh, you know, very talented basketball player, but going up against guys who you know kind of going in that they're going to be up to that NBA level of talent to, as you said, hold your own, that had to be pretty exciting. Yeah, it definitely was. I mean, just seeing how much, I mean, there's, the skill sets are pretty even. Um, but there are a few guys who have the ability to take it to the next level, and those two were definitely guys who could, and that was definitely an eye-opening experience to know how much you had to compete at the highest levels. Yeah, and what was the adjustment like? You know, Arizona and L.A., obviously similar in, in their climate, so I'm sure it wasn't too crazy there, but, but just coming from Arizona and getting acclimated to Los Angeles and, and your time at LMU outside of basketball, what was that like for you uh, as a student-athlete? Uh, it was it was a difficult transition. Uh, I was very young when I got to LMU. I was 17 when I graduated high school, and I was 17 when I started. Uh, Coach Aggers uh, brought me and a few other guys out early in the summer to take summer school and kind of get acclimated to the new environment and start 
lifting and working out with the strength and conditioning coach and taking summer school classes and playing uh, in various leagues around uh, L.A. Um, at the time, we played in a pro-am summer league called Say No. It was at West L.A. Community College, and I got to play against some some pretty big-time players. Yeah. Um, so that was definitely awesome. Uh, Westchester High School, which is right down the road, uh, would always have guys like Gabe Pruitt and Nick Young, guys who ended up playing in the NBA on campus in the summertime. So it was very fun just to play against other schools and other players in the L.A. area and just figure out how deep the L.A. basketball culture really is. Yeah, and, and at LMU, we know that certain times, obviously winning always adds to building a, a fan base and a crowd, but, uh, you know, up and down in terms of attendance, what did you, what was that like for you as a player? Certain games you'd have a full house, you know, depending on if it's Gonzaga or someone else and other games, it could be, you know, far emptier. How do you manage that as a player and kind of your way of approaching the game? Yeah, I mean, there, there was definitely uh, times where we had huge crowds and that definitely played a huge factor in shifting momentum and shifting emotions to our advantage. Um, I mean, the places that are tough to play usually have some sort of home court advantage. Obviously, Gonzaga does. And so um, all the coaches that we played for just made sure that we were focused on the right things and, and tried to pretend like there was no one in the crowd, just play the guys who were on the other side in the other jerseys. Um, but that was a factor in a lot of ways. I think uh, Coach Aggers would call it the Gonzaga hangover. Um, <laughs> we would play you know, Gonzaga one night and then Portland the next and then having a huge crowd and having no crowd and kind of conditioning us to just play as if there was no one in the crowd and just focus on winning the game um, play by play. Yeah, I'm sure that's got to be a, it's just mentally an adjustment, as you said, kind of keeping yourself focused on one night and not too amped up and, and having that carryover. Yeah, exactly. Especially like being young kids and still being 18 to 20 years old, knowing how to manage those emotions that come with the big time games. Yeah, and did you feel that on campus as a as a basketball player, uh, if it was a big game or you guys had a big win, uh, what was the reaction like from your you know your fellow students uh, when you were walking around campus uh, the next day? I mean, there was definitely uh, some appreciation there. Um, obviously, when, when you're winning, it's always easier to get the fans more engaged. Uh, but it was definitely like remember after beating Gonzaga at home, there was huge uh, parties in the neighborhood. We, we went to a few houses just to celebrate because coach gave us the next day off now that was one of the most memorable moments where we had you know the student body really excited um, for what we accomplished for them yeah and uh you know with the with the LMU basketball team we know that they're coming off uh, one of their better seasons in a long time how much have you been able to to keep up with the Lions in their in their recent years and and you know playing under Mike Dunlap right now yeah I've definitely uh been keeping up uh, I used to coach at a high school on site uh, finished up at LMU and Mike Dunlap before he was uh, named head coach at LMU was you know at University of Arizona and University of Oregon and he has a ton of good material online um, so from the moment he was hired I definitely was a huge fan and kept in touch and watched a lot of games and I think you know definitely he's done some things to help the program uh, get to where it needs to go I think they beat good Georgetown last year and I think they rather beat St. Louis a few years ago when they were top 25 uh, but definitely keeping in touch and making sure that uh, you know, the Lions are going to a good place, which looks like they are. Yeah, and you mentioned keeping in touch. Uh, how, mu- how much do you keep in touch with your former teammates and former coaches and 
and seeing how they're doing now, uh, you know, removed from the Elmy basketball life. Yeah, uh, I try and keep in touch often, and it's definitely difficult when we're all trying to build our lives and, and do other things. But I saw Coach Preby, uh, Brian Preby, uh, the last couple times he's been to Arizona. Uh, Damian Martin, we keep in touch on uh, social media, and um, he was in the States last year. He's still playing basketball uh, for the Perth Wildcats in the NBL in Australia. Um, so we'll talk on social media, and he was in the U.S. playing uh, against the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz last year. So those were close uh, to Phoenix, so I made out to both those games. And we lived together for four years along with Maddie Knight. So just we keep in touch on social media uh, and phone calls from time to time. Chris Ayer as well, uh, and Coach uh, Tension from time to time as, as well. Yeah, and you mentioned, of course, a couple of those guys going on to play overseas. Was that something that you ever thought about or considered, or did you know after your time at LMU that that was kind of you wanted that to be the end of your your basketball career? Yeah, I mean, I tried out for a few teams uh, in a Long Beach tournament that were just showcases for uh, the Japanese basketball league and, and a few uh, smaller leagues in Spain. Um, there was a lot of two, a lot of six two guards out there, so I never really got the opportunity. <laughs> and so once that uh, kind of evaporated, I just got into coaching at the high school level for a couple of years. And, and what what was that like coaching at the high school level? Uh, you know, you obviously have experience playing at a high level. Uh, what was the transition like from being a player to being a coach and coaching uh, some young men? Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I like uh, teaching the game. I should, I'm still a big fan of the game of basketball, but. I think sharing what I learned uh, playing Division One was definitely eye-opening and seeing kind of the gaps or the levels that it requires to move up. Um, so it was definitely beneficial because we had some pretty good teams. Uh, made it to the Arizona State Championship my year, year three that I was coaching at Marco Steniza. Um, so it was definitely my way of staying involved with the game as much as I could. Yeah, and how much, how much do you follow, as you said, obviously being a part of it as former coach and a former player, but whether it be college basketball or NBA or even still in the high school level, how much do you follow along with just basketball in general? Yeah, I mean, I, I still watch a lot of NBA games and a lot, a lot of college games. Uh, my buddies and I, uh, actually, one of my college roommates from LMU lives out in Vegas, so we go out there for a March Madness every year, and I definitely uh, try and watch as much games as I can. Uh, it's just hard with, with the career and other priorities taking over, but definitely still watch a few games throughout the week. Yeah, of course, and... You being an Arizona guy, uh, I'm guessing, are you a Phoenix Suns fan? Is that your uh, your team? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge Suns fan. We've been not winning so much lately other than the NBA draft lottery, so <laughs> they've been in rebuild mode for a few years now, so hopefully they'll figure it out and have a nice future going forward. Yeah, I was going to say, as we record this right now, it's uh, you know Thursday morning, so the morning of the NBA draft. Uh, do you have anyone in particular you want the Suns to take with that number six pick? Yeah, I mean, I keep hearing Kobe White from UNC or uh, Darius Garland from Vanderbilt if they're available. Um, we, we have a young core with Booker and Aiton uh, and a new coach, Monty Williams. Uh, I think you just have to kind of build from the draft because uh, there's not too many free agents who are jumping, uh, trying to come to the sun. So I think if they have a long-term plan to build a nice young core um, and find the right pick tonight, they can definitely put themselves in a position to kind of be like hopefully the Oklahoma City Thunder did a few years ago with the Westbrook and the Kevin Durant and the Harden pick, just building from the draft. Yeah, as you said, they already got a couple of good foundational pieces in, in Booker and Aiton and a new coach. Hopefully that uh, helps turn things around for, for your son's team. 
Yeah, that's the hope. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, it's always it's always a, a toss up in the draft, but we'll see if they can they can do something well. Uh, John, before I let you go, uh, just any of your final lasting impressions from from being at LMU? I know you had mentioned earlier that you kind of knew the program from the Bowen Hank years, but just to be a part of kind of that basketball history and have your name etched along that with a uh, you know some fun LMU teams of your own. What, what do you remember or take your overall takeaway from your time with LMU? Uh, yeah, I, I loved my time at LMU. Um, we played for some really um, caring and committed coaches. Uh, definitely had some some memories that will last a lifetime with my, my roommates and my teammates. Uh, obviously, the campus is beautiful, and uh, all my memories of LMU were are positive, and I definitely have those reminiscing moments from time to time, especially uh, when I get on the court from time, in a men's league or coaching. Definitely brings me back to those good days on the bluff. Yeah, no question, and and John has met, you know, as we know, we know each other from your time at LMU. So it's always one thing I've known about the LMU family. It's always great that we can all be able to to stay in touch and re, you know recap and retouch like this. So I really appreciate you coming on the show and and reconnecting. Absolutely, thanks for having me, Jesse. Hopefully, we'll see you sometime soon. Yeah, next time I'm in Arizona, I'll definitely let you know. Please do. So that's going to do it for this week's edition of the LMU Basketball Podcast. Know that if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. Now you can follow us on all your favorite directories, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, and iHeart. And also take a look at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts on all your favorite social media platforms. There's so many great shows on Believe.com and more and more coming as the days pass by. So a lot of content there uh, along with this show. Uh, you know, it's the University of San Diego show, another team in the WCC you have NBA shows with the draft coming up tonight uh, and so much more. So be able to go over and take a look at Believe.com and check that out. Uh, and also, as we said, be sure to give us a good review uh, while checking out this podcast. But we thank you so much for tuning in once again. Another another big thanks to John Ziri for coming on the show as well. And that is going to do it for this week's show. So until next week, know that this is the LMU Basketball Podcast. I'm Jesse Cass. And if you're listening, this is LA's number one sports podcast network, the only place of the show for every team in LA and more. We believe in our LA teams. Do you believe? Go Lions. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.